It is the morning show. This is uh, our number three here on a Wednesday morning. We've got cloudy skies, fog, 60 over the hills, 61 degrees downtown Duluth, also 61 in Superior. Hasn't changed much from yesterday when the official high was 62 at the airport. Now it's 61, so there you go. Uh, Neil Atkins joins us, of course, during the uh, Wednesday edition of the morning show. At 8 o'clock. Hi, Neil. David Strandberg, good morning to you. You, you give us a balmy <laughs> yeah. forecast. Now, I talked to uh, one of my colleagues yesterday. Yeah. And uh, she's out of the uh, Twin Cities, Minnetonka area. <laughs> and I said, is it raining down there? She goes, no, it's 98 degrees. Yeah. I said, well, it's about 61 degrees in rain <laughs> up here. She said... Well, we haven't figured our vacation plans yet, but it looks like we're coming north. Yeah, I would think. Well, I'll tell you, it was uh, quite a difference between southern Minnesota and Wisconsin and northern Minnesota uh, yesterday, for sure. Uh, The state fair begins tomorrow, so hopefully they'll have some relief down there for the hot weather. People could be dropping like flies on the midway tomorrow, I imagine. Uh, Have you uh, ever been to the state fair, Dave? I have. I I used to catch, we'd do Wisconsin one year and Minnesota the next. Back when the kids were smaller, but I haven't yeah. been there since, so it's, I was, it's uh, been a while. When I, when I first started uh, dating my uh, spouse, she lived yeah. down in St. Paul area, and I drove my sportster, my Harley sportster, Ooh. down, and she and I went to the state fair. And we'd, I'd never, except when I was a kid, never yeah. been to the state fair. So we drove up, <clears throat> and there was, between two cars, a parking spot right by the gate wow. on the street. First, you know, you've got a two-wheeler there, and I was able yeah, to pull right in. park pretty much anywhere you want. We went in parking for you. Yeah, we, <laughs> went in, we went and did the state fair and saw Al Franken groping people. No, I mean, we saw <laughs> What? No, we didn't see him do that. That was before he became a senator. He was still a comedian with comedic relief. Well, he was there at the fair? Well, later on he was. No, oh, that, I that thought time when you were I'm just kidding. Oh, no, I'm I just gotcha. kidding. I'm just teasing. Because he used to do a thing at the fair where he'd draw the map of the United States freehand. Sure. Oh. Which was really cool. Yeah. He did? Yeah. Okay. Al Franken. Wow. When he was a comedian, before he was a senator. Well, I think so. He may have been a senator then, too. I don't but know. But was he a comedian when he was a senator? He was. Oh, I guess so. He's a pretty funny guy. He actually. was, until it right. caught up with him. That's right. <laughs> we, we've got uh, Matt we, yes. uh, Baumgarten here. Hi, Matt. El Presidente of the Duluth Area Chamber. Hi, Dave. Hi, Neil. It's great to be back here. <laughs> it's it's always a highlight to be here with you. Well, I'm glad you could wow. come. I mean, I, I... You know, he... I saw him. He was down emceeing Tracy Lundin's big soiree out at the uh, Clyde Iron facility. Oh, yeah. He's been around, what, 50 years? Is that the deal? 50, yeah. It's remarkable. To be in business for 50 years is remarkable. Yeah. Longer than Grandma's Restaurant Company. (laughs) This is true. This is true. Grandma's goes back to 76, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, and our friend Tracy Lundin, I met him when he first had show pro, and he was Mm -hmm. booking bands, and he was playing in a band. What was his band? Quick? Was it Quick Breath? Quick Breath, yeah. yeah. Quick Breath. Among others, I think he's been in seven. Well, and then there, then he had Tracy Allen and the um, yeah. uh, maybe Easy Rhythms or something <laughs> like that. I came up. He was playing up at <clears throat> a bar in Superior. It was called Flip's Bar, and a bunch of us went up there, and we knew he was playing. And it was Tracy Allen and I think maybe the Easy Rhythms. I can't remember the. <laughs> and I, we were sitting there, and he's playing away, and I b- belted out uh, a name, new name for his band, Tracy Allen and the blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And it, it stuck with all of us <laughs> as a joke. I won't say it on the air. Except but anyway. for him, yeah. It said Tracy Allen and the Blank Tuna. So uh, uh, anyway, so anyway, <laughs> he had, we had fun with that. And they, they played, they were always good. He had that Jungle Sam yep. band for yep. kids and all that right. where they did, uh, 
events down at the yeah. deck and all over the place. They played all over the Midwest. I met him back when it was uh, show pro, too. He was renting equipment for us when we go do our dances sure. at high schools yeah. and what have you. We get the equipment from Tracy, so yeah. Then he went and most of the time it worked. Yeah, it did. <laughs> he did. He never. Uh, he never stiffed us with equipment. There was another no, no. group in town that forgot to come to an event that we had. Oh, really? When Amsoil had its 25th anniversary. Well, you convention. had yours delivered, so you had to pack up and haul the stuff. <laughs> well, you myself. had. To, you went and picked it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, these Gee. guys were supposed to bring it down to the deck of, for Bayfront Fridays, and we had the 25th annual, uh, annual Amsoil convention, and I was being consulting at the time with Amsoil. And we had the Superior Skydivers coming in, and we had one of the uh, classic old rock and roll bands playing and all that jazz. And I'm down there. We all set up with vendors and all that jazz. And the band's there, and they're all dressed up in their 50s garb and all that jazz. And there's no sound system. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And so I, I gave the, uh, the guy's uh, 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 mom a call, and she goes, oh, my God. Well, they, they had equipment all over in bars, so she yeah. and... Her, her kids went and grabbed all this equipment, came down to Bayfront, set it up. Nice. We were yeah. delayed. Wow. Alan Matuzio is walking around going, when's the music going to start? Al, <laughs> <coughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Don't, Don't worry about it. We got yeah. it. And then they, the band started testing, and they, they guy, one of the guys in the band said, well, I don't know. This isn't good enough. I said, do you want to disappoint Al? I go, we'll play. That's right. <laughs> and they played, and, and nobody knew <clears throat> that there had been a glitch except for me and a couple other people. And I, I think my blood pressure was probably about 380 <laughs> Over 900. You always want to be a duck on the water. You're okay. paddling like crazy underneath, but you're cool yep. and calm on yep. top. And I think that that embodies Neil Atkins. Ah, there you go. Hey, and Matt. And you Matt. want to take a phone call here earlier? Oh, we could. Sure. Let's Hi, who's this? Good morning. This is Dan. Go ahead, Dan. You know, I, uh, I wanted to make a comment. Uh, I've been a longtime caller. I started calling back when Lou Lotto was on. And uh, so I, I would like to get just a second to say something. And I know there's two switches on the radio. Lou Lotto always said that. If you don't like what you hear, just turn it off. But unfortunately, Neil, there are no other stations that do talk radio in the <laughs> Twin Ports now. So if you don't right. like you, us, you're out of luck. It's just us. Yeah, there's yeah. two of you. You know, you and Brad. And, um, and I'm very sad because I think, and this is not a reflection on Neil or Brad or Kenny or or uh, Dave, I think there's a uh, an effort to stop AM radio, particularly talk radio. And uh, an example of this would be yesterday on Brad's on Brad's show, they had two callers and 70 commercials <laughs> during the three hours. Yeah. So you had two callers, one from St. Cloud and one from Duluth, and that was it. And it seems to get more and more that way. And people are having a... I, I miss Tom from Port Wing. Mm. I used to call in or listen to the show so I could hear what Tom from Port Wing would say. He still calls on he occasion. He does. He calls... Yeah. Uh, usually he calls mm -hmm. us weekly. So. Yeah. Well, I haven't heard him in a long time. Wow. See, so you're not listening every day. I think it's about a, about a week or so. No, I actually <laughs> talked to him, and I talked to his wife, and, and Tom felt like he has been blackballed a bit. So... Uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I really feel bad because we need a real talk radio show in Duluth, and we can't just have uh, commercials, constant commercials. Well, I appreciate the input. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. And let's take a break for some commercials now at 821 here on KDAL.
Coming back to the morning show here on KDAL. It is 8.25 on a, uh, well, it isn't too, well, it is foggy. A foggy Wednesday morning. On a robust Wednesday. I even grabbed some coffee this morning. Yesterday I had decaf. Today I have full octane. Really? I didn't know you were a decaf drinker. Once in a while. I octane it every morning. Sometimes I go with decaf. If uh, right. Sometimes the caffeine will just hit me and I'll be, right. uh, I'll just be floating and, and buzzing and like touching the ceiling. If it wasn't for the caffeine, I wouldn't even drink the coffee. I hear you. <laughs> so, Matt, what's going on with the Duluth area? we got to put an area mm-hmm. chamber yes, there. Yes, we are. Well, I did want to go back to Tracy just for a second and make a point about somebody who's been in business for 50 years, and that's the amount of risk and investment that it takes to be in business for that long yep. is something that I don't think enough people recognize and appreciate because to do that for that long, going through economic ups and downs and trends and changes and wants and needs of uh, a community and of a region um, and still to come out on the other side successful says a lot about what it takes to be an entrepreneur. And I think we as a community need to recognize that and support our businesses and those taking risk. And we hope that our elected officials do that also. Well, it'd be kind of nice if uh, sometimes the elected officials had a stakeholding in something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's well, raise taxes, do this, do that, build these big projects, and on and on and on. And all of a sudden, they're out of office and they walk away, and they absolutely have they've done their deal, good, bad, or indifferent. But it's kind of like in Tracy's case, uh, especially in the entertainment business, and uh, going and booking events. Yep. I've been involved in it somewhat, but never to the degree that Tracy was. It's the old story of rags to riches and riches to rags. Yep. I mean, if you do a concert, you may make a boatload of money, and the next one, you lose everything that you made on the previous one, and then some. And then you're going, how am I going to pay the mortgage? How am I going to take care of the kids? How am I going to do this? And uh, all of a sudden, you, you lay, if you have any staff, you lay off staff. Yep. And it's it's... When you look at uh, sometimes people just don't understand what it takes. And when you have politicians like former presidents, not recently former presidents, really downgrading individuals that own businesses that you are working upon the backs of your employees and making money. And they don't. Obama said that numerous times. Mm. They don't talk about the risks. I've seen people, Tracy and others in town, that mortgaged their homes yep. and lost their homes because they had a dream with their business. Yep. And that president and others never addressed that. It was always a political side to it, which is uh, sad, I think. Yeah, using the model of a show, and let's use Bayfront Festival Park as an example, you have to front all of your expenses ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So that's a tough cash flow model. And then you have to hope that the weather works out because our community does not buy tickets in advance very well. And if the weather works out, you can hopefully break even and maybe make a little bit of money. Well, I remember an event we were down there <clears throat> participating with, and I can't remember if we were selling the beer for the Viking ship or selling food, and uh, the promoter had a group come on board, and it was uh, the, the gate was not good. And it was uh, a nationally known group that had been past its time, but they had had, uh, I think it was Paul Revere and the Raiders. Sure. Okay. And uh, they demanded their money up front. Mm-hmm. And the promoter came around and, and actually got some of the vendors that were there to uh, chip in some money so that wow. they could pay pay the entertainment so the thing wouldn't flop. And it, unfortunately, it, it turned out to be it was the last event that was done of that kind. 
and it was it was a tough deal to watch that unfold. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so yeah, when you're you got the <clears throat> people, sometimes politically they get caught up in the the giant companies, the evil corporations, but then here's the little guy and the the little woman there that is going out to be entrepreneurs and to put their whole lifeblood, literally mortgage their home, yep. uh, almost their kids, yep. <laughs> to to get their dream forward. And sometimes it is, uh, it's a bust. Yep. Uh, so. Yeah, so a real testament to Tracy and his 50 years and everybody that has been in business risking everything because of something that they believe in. And so um, what else we have going on? Uh, we are ramping up for election season here. We have Ooh. our candidate forums uh, coming up September 13th and 14th, and I want to recognize the work of Kathleen Prevett, who's our director of events and board operations. She's been putting a ton of work in on that. And then our vice president of policy, Dan Fanning, who's been putting in a ton of work on that. And we actually moved up the dates of uh, our candidate forums because there's a big mayoral election this year. Yeah. And there are a lot of city council seats up for grabs. Typically, we would host them in October, uh, but moving them into the middle of September hopefully gives us a chance to get more information out there for people so that they can make an informed decision at the ballot box on things that we think are important. Economic development, tax-based growth, safety, infrastructure, um, key components to a vibrant community and key components to our three strategic pillars, which are economic development, business conditions, and community progress. Well, I know you're going to have it done what was formerly called the uh, Grandma Sports Garden. No, it's the Garden Event Center, Garden a name change. Event Center, yes. And uh, so that's September 13th and uh, it's 14th, two, 14th yep. two days. So you've got uh, <clears throat> the mayoral candidates, city council candidates, and school board, too. I believe. That's correct. Yep. Yeah. So that's the mix here. And, of course, we, we had a primary. And uh, the uh, mayor and her challenger, the mayor uh, finished down about uh, two to one. Mm -hmm. uh, Reinhardt ended up about 62%. She had about 35%. 24% turnout. So is is it over for the mayor of Duluth? I don't think so if she works hard. Uh, it just depends. There's going to be uh, your debate come up. There used to be a lot more debates. What happened to all that? You guys are, every time you do it, the League of Women Voters used to do one and there used to be a couple. It seemed like when I was running, every little uh, fringe group had a debate. All of a sudden you hear this group, that group, and who the heck was that group? But they wanted to come, and there might be. One time, I'll never forget, we were out at the Old East High School, and we had a debate with, uh, well, candidates for them, city council candidates and school board candidates, okay? And there were more can literally more candidates on the stage than there were in the audience. Oh, boy. And they had the whole auditorium there. The... the uh, the the entertainment of the night it was school board candidates and you remember Harry Welty he used to be on the school board uh, he got up to give his speech and he, he got up in front of the crowd and he started talking he took out three balls and he started juggling them as he spoke to them <laughs> and we, there, was, there was probably about 40 people on the crowd and there was 20 of us on the stage and he's juggling and everybody was watching Harry I'm not kidding he got everybody's <laughs> attention and I, I think he won that, that race he did get on the school board so that's going to have all the candidates juggling now, I think so juggling sometimes uh, we well there's going to be some juggling on the stage tonight with a national debate oh, yeah, ah, that's right, right. Hear that, yeah. be some juggling minus there. one rather important uh, candidate yeah, Minus well, one important. Candidate. Yeah, Trump. He's he's the leader of the pack. So why should he be there? I don't know. That's strange. All right, we got to talk to uh, Bob Olin about the farmers market. Good morning, Bob. Well, good morning, Dave. And uh, you know, it's uh, it's kind of fun. Uh, I really enjoy the reminiscing. It's, it's just a lot of fun, Neil. 
Uh, you know, the one thing that hasn't changed is the farmer's market over all these years. Yeah, and you got all kinds of stuff there uh, today and again on Saturday. Yeah, that's right. Today, Wednesday afternoon, 2 to 5, it's a great time to shop because there's plenty of room to park. And also because our growers haven't done much picking since uh, mm. last Saturday. So there's always lots of product. We've got tomatoes coming in, a little corn coming in. We've got uh, just onions and potatoes, and the, the benches are full right now. You know, that market's been there in uh, 1908, the original building. It's been moved a couple times, but it's been at this location for 30 years. So you can talk about all the different changes that have occurred. The one thing that hasn't changed is uh, the growers have certainly changed, but the market is still there, and uh, it goes way back till the turn of the century, or last century, actually, and uh, it's a lot of fun. So it's part of the community, and uh, our mission really is to bring uh, – great high quality locally grown uh, food to, to everyone in the area and then they have a good time doing it so it's just a, a nice eventful activity come on down and uh, join us this afternoon two to five and then of course saturday a great big day bring the kids we've always got tokens for the kids want to encourage better eating we want to encourage uh great relationships between members of the family and uh the community at large so Come on down and join us, 2 to 5 this afternoon, 14th Avenue East and 3rd Street, 14th Avenue East and 3rd, and Saturday 8 until noon. Bob, i got a question for you. Uh, sure, Neil. Are you seeing uh, more produce being uh, grown here than in the past, or is it about the same? Obviously, depending if you have drought-like years, or well, are you seeing pretty much the same, or are there different crops coming forward, or is it basically the same stuff we've seen around for over 100 years? Oh, boy, that's a good question. Uh, we are seeing a, a change. You know, I'll just speak from my own uh, interest, and maybe it's my interest, but uh, I'm growing a lot of eggplant, and, and I found it to be a fascinating crop. We might be warming up a little bit. Our season may be changing, get elongating a little bit, but some of these warm season crops we really are challenged to grow, but there's, there's one. Then we've got so much variety. We have so much color now. Uh, we've got colorful cauliflower we never had before that people have really taken an interest in We've got a great variety of different types of tomatoes. Uh, we've got uh, a lot of interest in uh, things like kale that we never had, kale smoothies and so forth. So oh, okay. uh, oh. there's there's just a variety of things that, you know, I think it was cabbage and potatoes before, Neil. It's a real good question <laughs> to sustain people. And a few beets but, thrown in there, right? And a few beets. <laughs> when you speak about beets, we've got four or five different varieties of beets, everything from <laughs> albinos to candy-striped beets and that's the interesting thing about the farmer's market. Uh, you'll find things that you won't find in the grocery store because they're limited quantities. The big producers aren't interested in producing an heirloom tomato. Brandywine gives you two fruit per plant, and uh, a big commercial producer isn't even interested. But we grow not just uh, for the economics, but we certainly grow uh, because of the great joy of bringing some of these unique types of vegetables and fruits to the public. So it's a little Bob, different. this is yeah, Matt from the Chamber. Part. I just want to jump in and say you mentioned two things there. You mentioned bringing kids down. Um, I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and my wife does not miss a week bringing them to the farmer's market. So personally, I want to say thank you. Professionally, I want to say thank you for what you do for our uh, community. And it truly does bring them joy every time that they go. So thank you for doing what you do. Uh, they have a blast every single week that you have the farmer's market going on. That is the kindest comment. And, you know, I'll tell you, there have been various spinners who wanted to come in. And uh, I was one person who stood up and said, we're going to make this family friendly. <laughs> and that comment really warms my heart because 
it is intended to be a fun, wholesome environment for everybody. And, that, boy, that makes me feel really great that bringing the kids down. All right. Well, thanks, Bob. Good yeah, to hear from thanks. you. Thanks, Bob. Good to hear from all of you, and keep doing good things for this great community. Thank right. you very much. 837 now at Kitty AL. We'll take another break and be right back. Theme from the uh, greatest American hero. Oh, that's right. Remember that TV show? In a sense, I okay. never really watched it much. <laughs> did you ever watch it there? I did. Yeah, was, uh, kids watched it a lot. When so was that? That was back yeah, in seventies, I guess. Was it? Okay. Uh, I was out. I was out chasing young women I and know, having a good yeah. time. I forgot Same. about TV. I came back out of the military, <laughs> and I went to college. There and went out and had it. Good time. The great time. There you go. <laughs> Wall Street opening this morning with stocks up. Very good. Higher today. How about yeah. that? He and I sometimes are on the same. Yeah. And I, I always, always quiz you every morning to whether it's up or down. And I can always Half go the time and, you're right, half yeah. the time you're, no, you're wrong. 50-50. That's just the way it works. <laughs> I, can always, yeah. I can always go and look at my phone. Well, true. Before, That's got to be cheating. That, yeah. But I did. But I always, I always play with Dave. Well, Matt Baumgartner is with us, by the way, uh, yes, this morning. So, uh, President of the uh, Duluth Area Chamber of Commerce. So how's the stock in Duluth today, up or down? <laughs> Uh, that's a great question. Um, I would say the stock in Duluth right now is we are still in a bull market, but we are uh, cautiously looking at a potential bear market. Really? Yeah. yeah. What's, what's it, happening in regards to that? Tell it, me. Yeah, so to kind of extend that analogy, um, we just completed a billion-dollar hospital. Yep. We've got investments happening up in the aviation corridor, mm-hmm. billion-dollar aviation corridor, a billion-dollar port. Uh, we've got uh, vibrant uh, hospitality and tourism. We've got higher education. So we've got these great elements here. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we don't have policy that prioritizes economic development and tax base growth, then we will miss out on this huge opportunity for uh, economic gains and to continue that bull market. What we need right now to make that happen and not fall back into a bear market is uh, policies that expedite uh, development and housing to the market right now. We are so short on the supply side, and housing is supply and demand economics. Yep. So we need policies that get development done. Mm-hmm. And some of that is uh, allowing for uh, zoning and variance and vacations to happen for these developments. Some of it is around allowing for more density in areas that we uh, have already chosen for more density through the comp plan, the comprehensive plan. Um, and some of it is around how we incentivize economic development. Uh, we need housing of all types, which means we need to incentivize market rate just as we incentivize other types of housing. I was talking to a, a fellow <coughs> yesterday who's a snowbird now. He and I got together, and they'd sold their place, and and they uh, uh, kind of go down south and then have a, a site that they rent in the summer, and they were looking at maybe getting back in the area, but he was looking at pricing and the the – you know, he was thinking, well, maybe in the what he was looking at, in their price range was in the three hundred thousand dollar market, and it was a half a million. Yep. And he said, "There's no way we were going to be able to afford something like that." They wanted to be on a lake, and 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 uh, it just it just didn't work. And that's the problem. And is, a half a million with seven percent interest versus a half a million at four percent yep. interest is a much different yep. uh, financial game. This is this is the problem right now with interest rates, and uh, you know we we got lulled into <clears throat> a great zone with uh, three to four percent mortgage rates, and now they've doubled. Yep. 
And I mean, you could go back 35, 40 years when rates double were digits. double digit <laughs> and people still went and did it, but they were buying $70,000 homes, right. not $700,000 right. homes. Yep. And that's the, that's the difference today. And you start looking at, instead of a $2,000 a month payment, which is a big payment for most people, mm-hmm. you're a $4,500 a month yep. payment. And you've got to be making a boatload of money to be able to afford that. Yeah. People want to be here. We have a lot of companies that want to expand and they need workforce for it. So we need to build our way out of it. So we need to prioritize that economic development and tax-based growth. That's what, one of the things that several of the city council candidates that have come on board here uh, when we're interviewing them during the, the primary, mm-hmm. that uh, n- a number of them uh, talked about regulations, permitting, uh, the frustration of people, mm-hmm. to, and a couple of them were housing advocates, but they were saying the same thing that you're saying. Yep. You can't get the deal done yep. because the because of the uh, uh, sp- spaghetti of rules and regulations at City Hall. And then you, you throw the state in with this last legislative session that uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about that, too. It's not the evil city on everything. We've no. also got state government that has put, in many cases, shackles upon developers. Yeah, so... To complete the thought on the city piece of it, um, the chamber, we had uh, done a, a task force led by our board chair, Aaron Kelly, who's in architecture, um, that made recommendations on construction services, inspections, and permitting. That was uh, validated by the economic audit that was done by I Baker saw Tilly. I saw that, so yeah. all of our priorities were high priorities through this audit. So if we can implement that audit, that would be a great thing for developers here. But implementation can be a difficult thing. We're really excited about Chad Ronchetti getting hired as the new Director of Planning and Economic Development. We think he's going to be great. And we, we really hope that that audit gets implemented here, those recommendations, because they were the same as ours, and that would put us in a good position. That's locally. At the state level, it was a tough session uh, statewide uh, for businesses. Um, we had a surplus. We were looking for more tax relief. Um, we have a very highly educated workforce. We've got a talented workforce. Uh, but when all of a sudden um, you continue to add taxes to employers and add expenses to employers, they're not always able to employ that very talented workforce. So uh, there was an earned sick and safe time uh, policy put in place statewide. We already have one here, so that's not going to have a, a huge impact. It's a little bit different than ours. But the bigger one is the paid family leave that's set to be implemented in 2026. And to a person, everybody has said, uh, we want to take care of our employees. We want to make sure that they have the time off when they need it. The challenge becomes um, when you have that time off that an employee takes, you still need to fill that spot. So if you take off 20 weeks, you have to have an employee come in for 20 weeks. And all of a sudden, when the employee comes back, what do you do with that employee that's just been there for 20 weeks? Mm-hmm. So during the rulemaking process, which is between now and when it gets implemented, we're hoping to bring some um, common sense and uh, some real-life examples as to what implementing something like that is going to mean for small businesses. Because as you said earlier, so often we just go to the big multinational corporations and think that that is exactly what business is when 99% of businesses are considered small businesses by SBA and it's a much different uh, thing when you are employing very few employees and all of a sudden you've got one of your three employees that's going to be out for 20 weeks and then you have to backfill that and then what happens when that employee comes back. 
Oh, uh, we got to, Dave tells us we have to move along for a minute, so we <laughs> shall be back shortly. We'll Eight, be back. 849 on KDAO. The KDAO Morning Show. Back again. This will be the final portion of the uh, third hour of the morning show here with Dave and Neil and Matt. Hallelujah there, brother. You know, this is a equal opportunity radio station. We have a church advertising on here. Well, certainly. We have everybody advertising yeah. on here. Now, I know I'm, our buddy Dan from Ranchall didn't like all the commercials, but that... That pays for pay, us being here. Pay for us to be here, but sometimes I think it's also important to note these are small businesses that right. are advertising, yeah. trying to get the word out so that people come and uh, do business with them. There I think know. that's an important. But thing. I know sometimes people get frustrated. You know, they they want to hear the banter and the talk, and also you get a lot of commercials. And but let's get back to what we were talking about. Yeah. we were talking about <clears throat> where the policies are on the state level yeah. and the local level, dealing with the expenses that it costs to provide a product. Uh, in an industry and business. And business is demonized a lot of times because, oh, they're these big shots buying big boats and airplanes and all that, and it's us little guys that get screwed over constantly. Well, that's talking about sometimes a big corporate deal, but we get back down to the local level. Mm -hmm. And when they implement these $15 minimum wages and uh, sick and safe and all this sort of stuff, costs escalate, Mm -hmm. and I pay for it when I go out to eat. We'll talk about the hospitality industry. You have a, a career in the past in the hospitality industry. So I used to, when I worked downtown here, we go out five days a week for lunch, mm-hmm. uh, all of us guys. And it used to be if, if it was uh, me buying my own lunch, whatever, it usually was 10 bucks. I could figure 50 bucks a week. Well, that's doubled now. And uh, I was just talking to Matt the other day. A uh, colleague and I had lunch and uh, with... We had uh, just regular sandwiches, no beverages, just water. It was for the two of us with uh, tax and tip was forty bucks. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> how many people are going to spend a hundred bucks a week individually at twenty bucks for lunch? And now you've escalated the prices. A burger is seventeen fifty in price, <laughs> and uh, and people complain about that. But yet they buy into we've got to pay more. Pay more, give yeah. give benefits, do this and that. That's why I'm packing my lunch. See, yeah. and that's why I see more and more people. Because when I worked in the businesses downtown here, some of us that could afford to go out daily, but you look at somebody that's working in a in a clerical position or uh, in an entry level position, making fifteen, eighteen dollars an hour or whatever it is, and uh, you can't afford a twenty dollar lunch every day of the week, and occasionally you may. So now instead of having daily. Yeah. Uh, patrons, it's the occasion deal, and all of a sudden your numbers drop, and, yeah. and how do you deal with that? Yeah, so the unintended consequence, taking that to its full extent, is you will have local restaurants, locally owned and operated restaurants, having to close. Um, I won't get too far into the weeds with finance, which I love, but you might even see their sales staying flat, but their guest counts have taken a nosedive. Because they, and that's because they've raised their prices. Just yeah. fewer people can afford that. So then what people do is that lunch is at McDonald's, a multinational corporation. That lunch is at Burger King instead of at a uh, locally owned restaurant. Carol Valentini is a dear friend of mine. Mm-hmm. I want to see her stay in business. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, every gas station that you go to now has yeah. a full array of hot food. And it's much cheaper to go there and grab your lunch than it is to go to a locally owned and operated restaurant that keeps those dollars here local. So that's the full extent of that unintended consequence. And so we would have loved to have seen uh, from the state this year more money focused on. We got some good money for bonding projects. 
uh, there was a cash bonding bill. We love seeing our partners at Krauss Anderson get some of those. That's good. That's, those are good jobs. We would have loved to have seen more time spent getting money for the 148th Fighter Wing and for Lot D rather than statewide mandates. Well, what's interesting is, uh, and you know, I'm with the trades on all this. They love to see building and bonding yep. to build things because that's what keeps the trades mm-hmm. guys going. But what happens after it's all built yep. and you're trying to sustain yourself in revenue that's coming in daily, especially the businesses that re- require daily revenue, yes. whether it's in your business or as we used to call it, I used to work at Maurice's, the rag business or yep. the clothing business, yep, you're in retail, it's it's daily trying to get people coming and going in there so that you have your sales. Yeah. And uh, the big building projects are wonderful. A billion dollars here, a couple, three hundred million at St. Luke's, Cirrus and all that jazz. But once that's done, After it's built. Yep. you've got your employees that are there, but it's, it's, it's not the day-to-day product that you're seeing, yeah. that we see on the street. Yeah. Here's what I ask people to think of. Do you want to continue to see uh, Lincoln Park owned and operated locally? employing people locally? Do you want to see Canal Park owned and operated locally? Or do you want to see those neighborhoods and West Duluth and uh, Lakeside, which has a locally owned and operated Brutel now? Mm -hmm. Or do you want to see that be McDonald's in Canal Park? Do you want to see uh, Subway in uh, Lincoln Park? Do you want to see um, Dunkin' Donuts on every corner? Or do you want to see Sir Ben's? Those are the questions we have to ask ourselves with these policies. Because it becomes too difficult for uh, local owner operators to maintain when you've got national chains that operate in expensive communities and in expensive communities. So here's just the final note before yes. Dave yanks the wire on you it. You better hurry. So when I bartended down at Grandma's, when I started there, it was 90 cents for a 16-ounce beer. And now it's regular price, about 5 bucks for a 16-ounce beer. Wow. Oh, no. Not 7 great. bucks. 7 bucks oh. if it's a micro <laughs> No, I'm drinking, I'm drinking Miller Lite. Okay, so there you go. Okay. Anyway, that's it. Matt, thanks for being Shop with us. Shop local. There yeah. you go, baby. There you go. Take care, Dave. See you Friday. We'll be back with news uh, right after news here on KDAL. Coming up next from great CBS. Show.